Alright, praise God. Those are some very, um, very good words from uh, the book of Matthew there, chapter 19, verses 13 through 15. Uh, because many times as, uh, as adults, we think, you know, as you, you get older, you go from being a child and go through adulthood and you start learning new things. A lot of times it's what you learn that you start thinking about and you start factoring in. Well, I learned this in school. I read this in a textbook. I passed this test. And all of a sudden you think you know more. And so because of that, it is hard to, um, it, it's hard to, to, to focus on following God like a child does because a child, they may ask questions. They may say, why this, why that? But they really don't understand if you try to get down to the, to the nitty gritty of details on lot of things they usually just look at it and say well mom and dad said do this and don't do that so I just do this and I don't do that it's not until the child gets a little bit older and can start addressing um, developing some critical thinking is when they start saying well wait a minute I know mom said this I know dad said that however I could do this and you know and at least all sorts of uh, other 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 issues and so if we do that as if we don't uh, focus on the love learning about God like a child child does, then it does make things uh, pretty, pretty difficult for us. Turn in your Bibles in, from, uh, to John chapter 3. Okay. John chapter 3, and we're going to start in verse 25. And actually, let's actually let's go back to verse 22. Let's start in verse 22. So John chapter 3, uh, verse 22. After these things, Jesus and his disciples came into the land of Judea, and there he remained with them and baptized. Now John was also baptizing in Anon near Salem, because there was much water there. And they came and they were ba- they came and they were baptized, for John had not yet been thrown into prison. Verse 25, then there arose the dispute between some of John's disciples and the Jews about purification. And they came to John and said to him, Rabbi, he who was with you beyond the Jordan, to whom you have testified, behold, he is baptizing and all are coming to him. John answered and said, a man can receive nothing unless it has been given to him from heaven. You yourselves bear me witness that I said I am not the Christ, but I have been sent before him. He who has the bride, who he who has the bride is the bridegroom, but the friend of the bridegroom who stands and hears him rejoices greatly because of the bridegroom's voice. Therefore, this joy of mine is fulfilled. He must increase, but I must decrease. What I'm going to talk to you guys today about is: Are you decreasing? So that's really the question that I, I want you to keep in mind as we as we go through many scriptures today, because. We ask God for more of everything. Lord, we want more blessings. Want a bigger bank account. Want a bigger house. Want another car. Want that promotion at work. Want more responsibility. I want this. I want that. I want this. And I want that. And we always ask God for more and more and more and more. And God is not going to give you more unless you can prove that what he has given you, you can actually handle. And if you take a step back and you think for a minute, everything that you have in life, at some point you asked God for it and he gave it to you. Now you're looking for more okay well yeah i prayed for this house i got the house all right nice now i want a bigger house <laughs> you know i got the, I, I got the one car and 
I think I want another car, <laughs> you know. And there's nothing wrong with, with, with wanting to succeed. There's nothing wrong with wanting to, um, to how do I say this? There's nothing wrong with more, wanting to get more and to, and to really challenge yourself and, and have a, a whole list of accomplishments. But what's the motivation behind it is the thing that's the most, the most critical. So if you're going to ask God for more, you've got to be able to show him that you can handle with what, he, what, what he's already given you. And again, it's okay to ask for more. It's okay to, to, to have aspirations. Um, there are many Christians out there that feel that, um, well, I just have to be content with what I have, and I'm not going to seek more. And there's, there's, there's nothing wrong with being content with what you have. But you can also ask God for more, because he does want, he want you to, to, to be blessed. He wants you to live an abundant life. He wants you to be fruitful, um, because through those things, if you have the right motivation, you can then bless others when they say, hey, how did you get to where you were? And you can say, well, how much time? do you really have? And then do I share with them how I took on new assignments? Do I take to share with them how the, I had success through these projects? Or do I talk to them about, well, you know, it was scary to take on that new assignment, but what I did was I sat down and I prayed and I let God guide me through it. That's how I got to where I was today. Okay? So it's all about motivation. So the question for you, for, for everyone today is, are you decreasing? Okay, so starting again in verse number 30 there. He must increase, but I must decrease. If you don't have that underline, underline that entire, uh, that entire verse there, okay? Verse 31. He who comes from above is above all. He who is, on, who, he who is of the earth is earthly and speaks of the earth. He who comes from, the, from heaven is above all. And what he has seen and heard that he testifies and no one, uh, and what he has seen and heard that he testifies and no one receives his testimony. He who has received his testimony is certified that God is true. So a question that you can ask yourself as well is, do you speak of the things of God or do you speak of earthly things? Okay. When situations arise in your life, challenges, trials, tribulations, successes even, do you talk about things about how this great, there was this great book that I bought on Amazon and it had this 10-step process for prosperity and wealth and all these other books that you see out there? Or do you say, you know what, I sat down and I prayed and I prayed about it and I talked to God and God, gui- God guided me. Because I don't know if you've ever looked at any of those books and, um, yeah, I'm not going to knock those books or anything like that. But if you really understand at what's behind spiritually um, around your lack of, of what, whatever it is that you're looking for, whatever it is that you're seeking that you're not getting you can see that it's not anything that any book is going to tell you to do um i've sat in countless meetings over the over probably the last five years and there's always this discussion around leadership development for 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 government organizations and how private sector is different and public sector is different and different cultures and everything and one thing that i always say is is that you know you can read every single book that's out there there's no book that's going to tell you step one do this step two do this step three do this you actually have to put some work into it to be able to do it so you can go you know pay for all these consultants that cost in the millions of dollars etc like that that's all fine and well but at the end of the day they're not going to come in and actually fix your problem you have to actually put some work into it. you're going to have to do something about it so it's no different when we're talking about about god is if we're decreasing in and of ourselves and we're allowing god to increase how are you sharing that message with those that come across your path are you quick to say the book is the book i read or it's the manager that i had or it was this thing I saw on TV or are you going to be able to sit down and say no I consulted God and I let God guide me uh, through the entire entire step of the process okay um, so okay verse 33 again 
he who has received his testimony has certified that God is true. And so what that's saying there is that if, if we know when, when Jesus was, was, was talking to his disciples and he was um, uh, beginning his ministry and, and teaching, one of the things he always kept saying was that I'm not doing this of me. What I'm doing is I'm doing the will of the Father. What I say is not my words. These are my Father's words. And so and what, he, what this scripture is saying there is that you certify that God is true. You actually believe God if you recognize that what Jesus is doing wasn't all based off of him, but it was based off of his Father's will. How many times did he pray, Lord, let this cup pass for me, however, not my will, but your will only. Okay. Um, in Bible study, we've been talking about... Um, last, not last week, the week before that, but we were talking about giving up your own will to God's will. So how many of us are willing to actually do that, or do we want to get hung up on, this is what I want, this is what I want to do, this is when I want it to happen, this is when I want to see these results, and you don't actually turn it over to God, because God will get you where you need to be, and it's not going to be in the direct, in the path that you think it's going to be, okay? Um, I remember, uh, I, I remember talking with a, um, um, an example executive at an at a organization I used to work for, and I asked him, I, I said, how did you get to where you, where, where you were? And when he told me his background and how he got there, I thought to myself, I said, so your focus area, what you're really strong in is way over here, but yet still you're the number two in charge of this organization, and there's, there's no connection there whatsoever. And so what the Lord laid on my heart at that time was, I'll get you where you want to be, but don't think that it's going to be in the way that you want it to be. I may have you go way around this way, but at some point, you'll get to where you at, where, where I actually need you to be. But what you have to do is you've got to be able to say, all right, your time, you tell me what to do, when to do, when to do it. If I need to be still, help me to be still. If you need me to move, let me know when, and I'll actually do that. Then you'll actually be able to get to where it is that God wants you to be. Without that, then who knows what, who knows what kind of uh, issues you'll have in your life. Who knows if you actually even get to the place that God wants you to be because now you're putting, uh, you're putting yourself first. Um, one thing that you, you, you see with, uh, with athletes that makes it, you know, pretty, pretty challenging if you think of, of coaching professional athletes is a lot of them have these really, 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 really big egos. And you can see some of these teams out there um, that have a lot of superstars, but they can never put it together to actually win because it's all about me, 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 me. You have on the flip side to that, though, you have some teams where you've got veterans that have been there for a very, very, very long time, and they've become successful because that veteran says, you know what, this is about the team, it's not about me, so I am going to take a backseat to this young guy coming up, and I'm going to let him take over the team, and I'm just going to coach, and I'm going to mentor him, and I'm going to teach him, but really, I'm passing the torch over to you, and I'm okay with taking this backseat and not being the superstar. So the question is, are you willing to allow God to be in the front seat, and you can ride shotgun if you will and let him steer your entire life or are you just going to sit in the driver's seat and say lord this is my car you gave it to me i'm going to drive it that's it this is where i'm going i'm going to go 100 miles an hour and, and that's it now you know you do 100 miles an hour in your car and that's yeah that's a whole other issue there <laughs> um, amen um so so ways to be able to decrease is you know let god guide your life step back and let him take take control over the situation because you've heard many times that God knows every outcome of every particular, any path that you can actually take. And you've heard myself, you've heard pastor, you've heard others say many times that you have no idea 
what has to happen on the other side of the world for you to get whatever it is that you're looking for. You have no clue. And God also does not violate human human will. He does. He will not violate your free will. So I imagine God sometimes just stepping back and just saying, you know, you could get there a lot faster if you just stop trying to do it on your own. Let me handle it, you know. And, and not that God gets headaches, but we're, 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 we're the biggest reason for God's quote-unquote headaches. Okay? Because if we would just get out of the way and let God operate, things would happen a lot quicker in your life. And you've got to recognize that even other people that are involved in situations in your life, until they give up of doing it on their own, you may not get what you're actually looking for just yet. So if you imagine what life would be like if everybody just surrendered to God, how quickly things would actually happen. Think about that. Okay? Amen. Uh, verse 33 again. Uh, let me see where I'm at because... I got too, a little too excited, and I think I went through half of my sermon already there. <laughs> oh, man. Okay, verse 33 again. He who has received his testimony has certified that God is true. For he whom God has sent speaks the words of God. For God does not give the Spirit by measure. Underline that if you don't have that already, uh, um, already underlined. And just write a note to yourself that God doesn't give part of his, his Spirit. He gives it all. Okay. There's other scripture where God says he's not a respecter of persons. So it doesn't matter how long you've been walking with God. It doesn't matter where you are in the um, uh, in terms of your responsibility in a church environment. God gives his spirit and he's not going to say, I'm going to give Kathy 5%, I'm going to give Svetlana 2%, I'm going to give Candace 2%, I'm going to give Ian 100%. He's not doing that. He's saying, this, I'm going to give you my spirit. It's up to you to build that relationship with me and to listen to me. And the more and more and the more and more we talk and the more we build that relationship, I'll give you more information about me. But you don't, how much of his spirit he pours out is not any different. It doesn't matter who you are. If you're saved and you're, and you're seeking God, he's going to give you his spirit. He's not going to say, well, you're only going to get a portion of it, okay? Because if he did that, would it be fair to stand in front of him on judgment day and have him use that as a, as, a, as a determining factor on whether or not you're going to spend eternity with him. It wouldn't be, right? Just like the same reason why Jesus was on this, on this earth, to experience everything mankind had, so that nobody can stand before God and say, well, Lord, you just don't understand. I don't know about you, I've heard people say that. I don't think God really understands what it's like. And it's like, well, let's see, his son was here, was about 33 years. I'm pretty sure he's got a good handle on, on what we um, experience as human beings. He knows it, he overcame it. So you can't use that as an excuse. Um, other, in, in other places of Scripture, it also says, God will not allow you to be tested beyond what you can, you can bear. So there's no way that you can say, well, Lord, yeah, I said this to that individual, but you tested me and I can't, couldn't handle it. No, Scripture says you can handle it. So you should have been able to come out of that and do it the way that God expects you, expects you to do it. Amen? Okay? So verse 34 again. For he whom God has sent speaks the words of God, for God does not give him the spirit by measure. The Father loves the Son and has given all things into his hands. He who believes in the Son has everlasting life. And he who does not believe in the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abides in him. Um, in verse 36, um, highlight that. It also brings in the remembrance 
John 3.16. We're all familiar with that. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever shall believe in him shall not perish, but should have everlasting life. Okay? So verse 36, again there, he who believes in the son has everlasting life, and he who does not believe in the son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abides on him. Okay? A critical... A couple of critical things in that scripture there. Um, I want you to highlight also who believes in the Son, and then also highlight who does not believe in the Son. There are many people out there that believe in God. There's many people out there that believe in the existence of God. There's also a lot of those same people that don't believe in Jesus. Okay. And what this scripture here is saying is if you believe in the Son, you will have everlasting life. It doesn't say if you believe in God the Father. It doesn't say if you believe in God the Holy Spirit. It says if you believe in the Son, you will have everlasting life. Okay. John 3.16, for God to love the world, he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever should believe in him. Again, you cannot expect to be saved if you just believe in God and you want to ignore Jesus altogether. Okay. Jesus is is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Okay? Remember, he said that. So you can't think, don't think that you're going to get yourself to heaven. Don't think you're going to get this close relationship with God if you think that Jesus doesn't exist. Because God can't exist without Jesus. Because remember, there's the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. You can't believe in just one and neglect the others, so to speak. Okay? All right? So, again, it's important to recognize that Jesus is the Son, uh, is the Son of God, and if you want to see everlasting life, you have to you have to believe in Him. Okay, so again, we're talking about are you decreasing? So being able to increase it in your life is you've got to be able to turn turn things over to God, let God take the wheel. Um, there's actually a song by um, someone that's called Jesus Take the Wheel, and we're all probably familiar with that. Um, but if you listen to that song, there's there's some pretty good lyrics in there if you really listen to what, what's, what's actually being said. So what ways of being able to increase? Uh, make sure, one, you're believing in Jesus Christ as, as the Son of God and knowing that you'll have everlasting life through Him. Recognize that we all have access to God and he's not going to give you a portion of his spirit just because of who you are how long you've walked with him he pours it out um, to everybody um, and, and also know that um, he can he, he orchestrates everything all right. So if you can recognize that, then know that he can orchestrate your life. And if you're willing to allow him to orchestrate your life, you'll get to where it is that he wants you to be. And most of the times, what I found in my life anyway, where I wanted to be, it's not really where I wanted to be. Okay. <laughs> it's, it's not at all. And he's put me in places where I said, wow, I wanted this, and you just put me way over here. I like this a whole lot better than, 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 than where I was. Amen. So, so, so understand that if he, if he is guiding your life, he's going to do some things for you that that you probably just won't wouldn't even imagine um i shared with you guys it was about a year and a half ago or so um when i when i had that that big promotion there that was about six months or so before that that there was a prophecy of if you keep following me i'll open up the doors to your wildest dreams and i remember when i was talking to my uh to my boss who my boss now um who made me the offer at that time i was sitting there on the phone the whole time thinking like 
is this really happening? Am I actually being offered this this position? And just thinking back over, over the interview process and sitting in the administrator's office and having him sitting next to me. And I'm just sitting there thinking, am I really doing this right now? And I remember I called my wife afterwards. I said, that was pretty exhausting. I wish I had taken the rest of the day off because I'm kind of tired, you know, going through that. But then to get offered, it was it was, it was just mind boggling for me um, to, to think that. And I just remember back to that prophecy. I told you, if you just follow me. And it wasn't in your time. It was in my time. So when you just give up to that, it's amazing what God can do, okay? So staying on this theme again, um, are you decreasing? Uh, we're going to stay in John, and we're going to jump to chapter 17. John chapter 17. And we're going to start in verse 6. And there's a a lot here um, that we're going to kind of break down and and, and pull apart, if you uh, pull apart, if you will. So John 17, verse 6. I have manifested your name to the men whom you have given me out of the world. They were yours, you gave them to me, and they have kept yours. So this is Jesus praying for his uh, praying for his disciples. Now they have known you. Now they have known that all things which you have given me are from you. For I have given to them the words which you have given me, and they have received them, and have known surely that I came forth from you, and they have believed that you sent me. So we just remember we just finished reading about um, those that speak, uh, that, that, that acknowledge God as speaking, speaking the truth. Okay, so here Jesus is saying, the disciples have heard me, and they know that I'm doing not my will, but I'm doing your will. Okay, and they're receiving the words. Okay. Verse 9, I pray for them. I do not pray for the world, but for those whom you have given me, for they are yours. And all mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I am glorified in them. I'm going to pause there for a second, because if you look at how, just in verse 10 there, and all are mine, and all mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I, I am glorified in them. Isn't it? A, it's just amazing how Jesus always, always gives glory to the Father. Okay, and how He's always saying, "God, look, You've given me this, but this is not mine. This is Yours." How incredible do you think your life would be if you think of all the blessings that God has given you? You think about all, even all the material things that you have as something that is not, not, not anything that you have, but it's something that God has given you. And what if you treated that like it was actually, it actually belonged to God? Okay. Again, verse 10, and all mine are yours and yours are mine, and I am glorified in them. Now I am no longer in the world, but these are in the world, and I come to you. Holy Father, keep through your name those whom you have given me, that they may be, be one as we are. Underline that, be one as we are. While I was with them in the world, I kept them in your name. Those whom you have, uh, those whom you gave me, I have kept, and none of them is lost except the son of perdition, that the scripture might be fulfilled. But now I come to you, and these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. Verse 14. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them, because they are not of this, of the world, just as I am not of the world. If you don't have that underlined, underline that whole scripture there uh, in verse 14. I have given them your word, 
And the world has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not pray that you should take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. Okay. Um, and we're going to pause there for a second. So there's a, there's a lot that's going on um, in all of those scriptures there. One thing that to think about is when you go to sleep at night and you're saying your prayers, who do you pray for? Do you spend time praying for you? Or do you spend time praying for the family members? Do you spend time praying for friends? Do you spend time praying for the leader of this country? Do you spend time praying for the other politicians? Because I don't care what side of the aisle you're on, and you can see this. This is, I mean, this is nothing new, so I'm not talking politics, if you will, um, or anything like that. You can watch the news, and you can see that for as long as we've had this, you know, two-party system, they're always at each other's throats, okay? So instead of being at each other's throats, why not sit down and actually pray for the other party, if you will, all right? Why don't we pray for both parties? Why don't we pray for all the leaders um, in the world, not even just in this nation, but in all the world, because they are in those positions for a reason, okay? And they are doing what they think is right, and it may not necessarily be what God wants them to do, okay? So instead of just praying for, 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 for your yourself, why don't you look broader and start praying for, for other people? Do you pray for the poor person that driving down I-5 has a bicycle full of stuff in the back? A bicycle with this big trailer or something that's attached to it that's walking and it's two miles from, uh, from the nearest exit. Who knows where they are, where they're going, what they have going on in, on in their life? Do you pray for the people that are standing on the corner that are out there begging for money? And Yes, there, there, there are some, some, some organizations that, that do that, you know, on their own, but I also firmly believe that there are some people out there that really are out there on the corners that do need some help. Um, so every time I drive by, I just say a quick, a quick prayer for them that God would get in there, take over the situation, somehow let them come to know Him and, and that He would deliver them somehow, some way. Whatever that means, I, I don't know. Um, all I know is that He can do a, a, a lot better job than, than, than I could or anybody else can, you know. So do you pray for those those kind of people when, when you see things like that? When you hear about these tra- tragedies, I mean, we just heard about what happened, you see this in, on the news, what happened in London yesterday. You know, Do you pray for those victims? Do you pray for their families? Um, do you pray for the authorities that they can catch whoever, you know, the, the people that are behind these, uh, behind these attacks? Do you pray for, for, for ISIS, that, 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 that there's people in, the, in that terrorist organization that would turn their lives around um, to Christ? Or do you just pray that they just get demolished or, or, or something like that? Because the Bible says it's not God's will for any man to perish. So we should be praying for those uh, that are in opposition to us. The Bible speaks about that too. Bless those that curse you. Pray for your enemies. So what are you, what are you doing when you're, when, when you're praying for people? Um, anybody that's in any kind of leadership position, if you're a manager, lead worker, or, or you, you give direction to, 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 to employees or, or co-workers, do you pray similar like this to God that, Lord, you put these people 
Uh, you put me in charge of these people. Help me to guide them the way that you want me to guide them. Solomon did it when he became king. Remember that? And then God said, because your, your speech pleased me, um, not only am I going to give you everything you asked for, but I'm going to give you a level of wisdom that no one had before you. No one's going to have after you as well. So being able to treat those that are under you, whether it's official authority or if it's you know for a portion of the day filling in, backing somebody else up, do you pray that even for that minutes that it might be Lord help me to give direction to these folks and guide and lead these people the way that you would the way that you would want me to okay Um, if you see down there in verse 11 um, towards the end Holy Father keep through your name those whom you have given me that they may be one as we are all right now, there's folks out there that'll say, uh, you know, we are one with the universe and all of those things. That's not what this is saying, all right? So that, that's not at all what this is saying. This is not about being one with the universe and, and the chairs and nature and all of that stuff. That's not what this is saying, okay? But what, what Jesus is saying there is that there is, there's the three personalities, if you will, of God. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. But they're all one. Right, so there's three separate, but they're all they're all one. And so what Jesus is saying is, please let the disciples operate as one, as being on one accord. Okay, not one with the universe and with nature and all of those things, but being on on one accord, the same way that the Trinity is on one accord. Could you imagine if God said, "Let there be light," and then a planet formed? Wouldn't that be kind of wouldn't that be kind of odd? And God saying, "Okay, let there be light," and then whoop, a planet forms and there's there's no light. <laughs> okay, that that would be kind of that would be kind of scary to think about God operating operating that way. So so He had to be one with the Holy Spirit and with Jesus to be able to create all of all of this uh, that's in existence that we don't understand. So the disciples need to be on one accord as they're going out and delivering uh, Jesus's word. Okay, um, something to think about too are you are we body of Christ ministries are we all on one accord with each other okay how many arguments happen among Christians over well the word says this the word says that some you can look at it and say well where are you getting that it's not even right there or there's a misinterpretation somewhere we can eliminate all of that if we're all on on one accord okay you go to church and you want to see the church blossom and you want to see membership grow and you want to see it do all sorts of things to help the communities and everything like that. Well, what are you doing in that to have conversations with the pastor and the elders and say, hey, how do we all come together as a church and start taking it to the next level so that we're all on one accord um, as a ministry? Or are you one that just shows up to church, takes the word, and then goes home and then wait till the next Sunday to go and, and, and benefit, 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 and then you're not looking to bless others and look and to benefit others, either in the ministry by 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 participating in various activities, various events, or um, or, or being able to say, you know. Could we do this in the church? Could we develop this kind of ministry? And I'll be happy to, to take the lead. Or how do I get involved in, in, in the ministry? By doing those things, that allows the body of Christ to start to get on one accord. It allows the ministry to be on, on, on one accord. Um, because we know what happened at the Tower of Babel. Okay? If you're on one accord for doing evil, you can get evil done. Okay, and what did God say? He said, "Let us go down there and confound their language," because God knew that the way they, the way that they were operating there, yeah, they were going to be able to accomplish whatever it was they was they set out to do. Okay, um, you know, again, I'm, I'm not 
making political statements, but um, you, you watch some of the things that are happening in the news now uh, with, with, with certain groups coming against other groups there, and you can see that the groups that are not in office or not in power, if you will, they're all on one accord, and it's making things difficult for other political parties, okay? So again, I'm not, I don't care who you voted for, I'm not saying which other side of the aisle I'm on or anything like that or, 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 or touting one party over the other, but that has been something that's been in place going way back when the, when the two-party system was created. It's just so happened now it seems to be a little bit more prevalent um, because it's the, the, we're, we're in different times now, okay? So you can see groups that are on one accord. They're saying the same things. It's the same talking points over and over and over and over again. All saying it, same spirit and operation, they're on one accord. So when you have the other group that's trying to do something different, they may not quite be on one accord, so it makes things very, very, very difficult. So Jesus here is talking about, again, being on one accord. It is critical that to have increase in your life and making sure that you're decreasing Increasing is that you're given up to yourself and that you're on one accord with the Holy Spirit. Because if you're on one accord with the Holy Spirit, then you will be able to get to where God wants you to be. And not that you won't have trials and tribulations and challenges along the way. It'll keep you focused on, all right, Lord, you want me to go here. However, my path is going all the way over here, and I've got this table that's in front of me. I don't know how I'm going to get over this. Oh, i got to go this way, and God is guiding you. He may say, no, don't go that way. Go this way instead, and then you go that way, and then you're still focused on that's where the Lord wants me to be if I'm on one accord with his, with his spirit. And then the people that you're bringing into your life, if you're focusing on God and, and making sure that you've got the right inner circle, so to speak, when you're telling them about their challenges, they're going to be telling you the same thing. Well, God wants you to go in that direction. Direction, right? Isn't that what he? Isn't that what he told you? Stay focused on that. They're not going to say, "Oh, you know, you should, should go walk over and just flip that table over." I mean, and go yell at the person that put it there. How dare they put that table in front of you? You know, do they know who you are? <laughs> you know, and, and then you start, and then that just causes all sorts of other, uh, um, all sorts of other issues there. So you don't want to go there. You, you want to be on one accord um, with, with, with the Holy Spirit. Um, down in verse fourteen, there. Um, I have given them your word, and they were hated, and uh, and the world has hated them because they are not of this world, just as I have, just as I am not of this world. You don't have to turn there now, but Ephesians six twelve, um, you're all familiar with this, um, and you can just make a note of it. You don't have to turn there right now, but Ephesians six twelve. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. People don't dislike you because of who you are. They dislike you for what you stand for. Okay? And they dislike you for what you stand for as it relates to being a child of Christ. Okay? So all those spiritual forces that are out there, all those demonic forces that are out there um, that are coming against you and driving the people that are coming against you, it's not the people, it's those, it's those forces. Um, there's like, there's some, some really good Christian books actually out there um, that talk about this in a, in a fictional quote-unquote fictional sense, if you will. And it's amazing when you read that. And there's one that I'm reading now that I've uh, read when I was a child. There's one I'm reading now, and I'm coming up on the end of it, so it's getting really, really good now, <laughs> because you're getting ready to see both forces um, um, do battle. And it's, um, it, it's, it's, 
I pick it up and I read it with the actual Bible with me because I want to see, all right, the author is saying this. I'm curious to how close it's connected to the actual Bible. And you can see that. And throughout that whole book, and it's a pretty thick book, throughout that whole book, I keep coming back to that one of those scriptures there, Ephesians 6.12, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood. So if you can understand that people coming against you and people that dislike you, if you will, if you can recognize that it's not them, it's those forces that are driving them. It changes your outlook on everything. I mean, you, you don't get to a point where you're like, oh, if I see this person again, I'm going to give them a piece of my mind. Or I took some boxing lessons and I'm feeling pretty good. I'm going to give them a nice one-two combo and, and all of that. You know, you, you, won't, you won't be saying that. You'll be focusing on, okay, it's that spirit that's driving them. And, and what is that spirit that's driving them so that, I know, so that I know how to come against it. So when you think about, again, are you decreasing in your life? And increasing by letting God guide, um, that's one of the things to look at is recognizing that there's spiritual forces around us that drive people to do what they do, how they do it, when they do it, what they say. Um, and if you can't figure out why somebody does something, just remember Ephesians 6.12, for we wrestle not. So if you can't understand why someone could um, feel like the, the, that a holy thing to do is to, is to take somebody's head off, that's why. I mean, that, that, that's something that's pretty heinous. Nobody can really understand. Well, how do you think that's a, that's a good thing to, 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 to actually behead somebody, okay? Before we wrestle, before we wrestle not, okay? And again there in verse 16, um, they are not of this world just as I am not of this world. We're, we're here for right now. But at some point, we're going we're, we're gonna to catch that old glory train, if you will, and, and, and head back to heaven. Amen. You know, we're, we're only here for a season, and then we're going to go spend eternity with heaven. So what are we doing while we're here? All right. Um, other scripture talks about um, lay not your treasures up on or lay your treasures up in heaven and not on things of, of the earth where moth, moth can decay. And I'm paraphrasing there. Um, but that's where we should be focusing on is that it's OK to, to have success while you're here. It's okay to want more things. It's okay to to, um, to have that bigger house or the, or the or the extra car and everything like that. That's fine. But what is your motivation in, in, in doing that? Do you just want to show and prove to somebody that, oh, yeah, look at me. I can do this. I can do that. Or is it because I can use this to be able to, 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 be able to, bless, uh, to bless somebody else and, and, and spread the word of God? Okay. Last few scriptures here. Uh, turn to Second Corinthians chapter twelve. Second Corinthians chapter twelve, verse seven. Okay. I think that's where I want to start. Yeah. 2 Corinthians 12:7 And lest I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of the revelations a thorn in the flesh was given to me a messenger of Satan to buffet me lest I be exalted above measure concerning this thing I pleaded with the Lord 3 times that it might depart from me and he said to me my grace is sufficient for you for my strength is made perfect in weakness underline that my grace is sufficient for you for my strength is made perfect in weakness Therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Matter of fact, just underline all of verse 9. Therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. 
Therefore, I take pleasure in my in, in infirmities, in reproaches, in needs, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Okay, I want you. To, you know, go ahead and underline all of verse ten if you don't have it underlined as already, because there's a lot of things that that scripture scripture is saying there. Okay, when God starts to bless you, um, and you start to overcome challenges, and we all get this feeling you get a sense of accomplishment right especially if it's something that was really really a thorn in your side for a very very long time when you finally overcome that you get this sense of yeah I get it okay I I can handle that this isn't this isn't that bad and and, okay I'm ready for that I'm ready for that next thing Um, and what scripture is saying here is that the messenger of Satan has to come along and buffet you. It's got to be a thorn in your side because that sense of accomplishment, that that proudness, that the the, the pride, if you will, that you get. And I'm not talking the um, the pride that got Lucifer uh, that got Lucifer kicked out of heaven. I'm not talking about that. But you get that level of, of pride and you're proud that you've overcome. Whereas time, your head could get too big. You can become all puffed up in self, and that's the, the going, um, being exalted above measure, okay? So what happens is God has to allow the enemy to send somebody to buffet you, to kind of bring you back down to earth, if you, if you will, and not lose that focus, not lose that focus on God. And in what scripture uh, saying there in verse 9, my grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. What Jesus is saying there is that when you're weak, I'm strong. When you've decreased, I've increased. Okay? So you've got to be able to step out of, I can do it of myself. I've got this. I defeated that challenge over there. I delivered that sheep out of that lion's mouth. Okay? Remember David, when he told, when he told Goliath, he said, he said I, I was here. I've done this already. I've already delivered the sheep out of the lion's mouth. And the bear came. I smote him. God delivered me and therefore he's going to deliver me again so you see even there what david did was he gave the glory to god even though he was remin- he was reminiscing on a time in the past when he had a major challenge and he overcame it so we've got to make sure that we're remaining weak in and of ourselves and remaining strong in god so that when the enemy does come to buffet you you don't lose focus you're not distracted and you're not thinking i don't need god for this one i can handle this myself okay I'll give you a real life example. Um, all of you that know me know that I love cars. Okay? And I love to work on cars. Nothing like a good weekend project, you know, to, to do some work on a car. Okay? Um, working on a car the other day. Got into a situation where I had to go to sleep at night with the car still apart because I couldn't figure out how to get it back together. Okay? I was doing some suspension work. Tore the suspension apart in the back. And it got to the point, I looked at the clock. It was, I think, 2 o'clock in the morning or something like that. And the Lord said, just go to sleep. And I'm like, it's like, i got to fix this. And so now I go lay down, and I'm all nervous. So I'm thinking, oh, i got to pay for a tow truck to get it out. How is the tow truck going to even get the car out of the garage? Because it's backed in. So I don't know how they're going to be able to get it in and actually wheel the car out because I can't really get the wheel back on there. The suspension was all torn apart and everything like that. So the next morning, I go down there, and I'm looking at this thing. And I'm like, this doesn't make any sense whatsoever. I said, how is it that it can come out so smooth and it can't go back in so smooth, okay? And so I just said, I said, Lord, I said, what am I missing? And I just sat there on the floor and I'm just looking at this thing. And he said to me, he said, take the jack, put it under there, pump it up until the car goes up and you'll be fine. I'm like, that doesn't make any sense. 
did it. Sure enough, car went up, got the bolt back in, drilled everything back in, got the wheel back on, and it was done. Okay? And if you could have seen this thing, what he told me made absolutely no sense whatsoever because of the way that everything was lined up. And those are, are that are hearing this on the podcast, you can't see kind of what I'm demonstrating. But the way this thing needed to get lined up, when I dropped one of the, the parts, it kind of hung like this and it was on an angle. And so I was down there for hours jacking up on this side trying to get it to straighten out. And what he said was, yeah, that makes sense in your mind. But what I'm telling you is jack it right here. And I'm thinking, well, if I do that, it's just going to do this. But sure enough, I jacked it there and it went straight up, went right in easily. Okay. And it didn't get to that point until I sat back, I sat back and I said, Lord, what am I missing with this thing? I said, this thing makes absolutely no sense. And at one point I was like, this car is the dumbest thing I've ever seen. And then I got checked real quick. I was like, don't forget, you prayed for this and I gave it to you. And I was like, I said, sorry. <laughs> I said, you're, you're right. I said, I'm sorry. I said, Lord, forgive me for that. Um, but it was, it was pretty frustrating. And then, but once I got to that point, I was just saying, everything that I know about cars, I had the right tools. I've done this before, so this isn't anything new that, I, that I've done. I even had better tools doing it on this car than I've done it in cars in the past. I, used, I was using my knowledge and my increase and, and my past accomplishments of the first time I did this, I did it with a cheap set of tools um, in the garage at a, at a previous house that we were in. And it only took me two hours to do it, and it was, a, uh, it was an older car, so the bolts didn't come out easily. This thing should be a piece of cake. It wasn't until God got to me and just said, this is what you need to do. One, ask me and I'll tell you what to do. And don't think of what I'm going to give you as a silly, you know, doesn't make sense kind of response because trust me, it's going to work. And I did it. I said, oh, sweet. Nice. Was able to do the other side in record time and got everything back together, got the car out. And thank God it, it works out really, it works out pretty well. But again, it was that my strength is made perfect in your weakness. At that point in time, I was in a weak moment. Okay. And when I even got myself to a weaker moment by just by saying, Lord, what am I missing here? That's when he was able to say, let me show you exactly how strong I am and let me show you what it is that you need to do. Okay. Other scripture talks about too. Um, uh, let's see, this is, um, <clears throat> I can't remember what exactly which scripture it is, but other scripture um, um, talks about these, these, these kind of things as well, is, is how the wisdom of, of God is, is, um, is smarter than men and, and the foolishness of God is, is wiser than men, or, or something to that effect there. So there I thought, you know, God gave me an instruction that I thought was like, oh, are you kidding me? <laughs> really? It's like, do you, do you know what this is? And he's like, do you know who I am? And it's like, okay, yeah, you're right. You know, so it was that what I thought was foolishness was actually the best thing to do because what I thought I knew, um, obviously God had a, had a, had a whole other plan and, and had a whole other idea there. Okay. Um, in verse nine there, you know, if you have a study Bible, this scripture may or may not be, um, a footnote in there, but James 1, 2. It says, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work that you may be perfect and complete, lacking, uh, lacking nothing. Um, so, again, boasting in infirmities that the power of Christ may rest on me. And it's not to say that you wake up and say, all right, Lord, get me sick today. Throw a challenge my way. It's that when you do that, know that the Lord is going to work something. Because when the devil comes in and he hits you with a, with a challenge, that's because he's got a thought. He's got an inkling that God is trying to bless you. 
And so what does he do? He starts throwing things your way to try to get you distracted and to keep that blessing from coming, okay? Why is the devil rampant a lot nowadays? Because he knows his time is getting short. And the ultimate blessing for all of us as Christians is what? It's spending eternity in heaven. So he knows that. He doesn't know when it's happening. That's why he's rearing his ugly head um, as the, w- the way he is right now. So the last scriptures we're going to go to here um, in closing, First John chapter 2. Just a couple of more and First John chapter two. We're gonna start in verse fifteen. I'll wait for everybody to get there. <clears throat> okay. First John two chapter fifteen. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of the, of the world. And the world is passing away, and the lust of it. But he who does the will of God abides forever. Underline that. He who does the will of God abides forever. Okay? So when you're asking yourself, am I decreasing so that God can increase simple thing to do is ask yourself am I doing the will of God or am I doing my own will Okay, because if you're doing God's will and you're letting him take over the pilot seat letting him take over the captain's chair if you will and you're letting him drive and and direct and, and be your navigator then you're doing the will of God and no matter what comes your way it doesn't matter. You will be able to overcome it. It may take some time, but if you recognize, if you're joying in those infirmities that you're, you're facing, okay, if you're recognizing that these trials and tribulations are going to bring about patience, okay, if you're focusing on that while you're going through that trial, then you're doing the will of God, knowing that these things are temporary no matter how long they last. Okay? Amen? They're temporary no matter how long they last. And when I come out of this, I will be victorious. Thanks to God, not because of me. The only thing I had to do was obey. But I will be victorious over this, thanks to God. And I know that somebody else along the way is going to come in my path that had this same situation. And it will be an opportunity for me to share with them how I was able to become victorious. And speak of the things of God, not the things of this world. Okay? So when you leave here today, just constantly ask yourself, are you decreasing so that God can increase? And as you go throughout your day and the weeks and the months ahead, just focusing on making sure that God is more and more in your life. Um, it'll, it'll help you to, to, to have God take total control over every single situation, every single aspect of your life. Even if it's something that's really, really, really minor, if it's something really small that, you know, it's, eh, okay, I'm going to go walk from here to there. That's easy. Might not be a bad thing. Lord, help me to get there safely. Because you never know what could happen when you go step on that tile if that whole thing, uh, if that whole thing decided to collapse. Amen. All right. I pray that this message uh, blesses everyone that hears. And now in closing, let's prepare to honor God with our tithes and offerings.